bonjour. I really don't know any other language. Welcome to Basic Snitches. I, I kinda... I'm Adam. I am Tara. I'm also clueless about foreign languages. What is something else you could have said? You could have said, I know hola? Hola. I was about to say ciao, but that is goodbye. <laughs> is How it Riverdirtchi? Hello or goodbye? I don't know. Alexa! Just There's kidding. Alexa We're here. at Tara's house Hello. today. Anyway, I but I did know bonjour because I did take... Ni hao? It's Chinese. Okay. Guten Tag? Vaguely familiar sounding, but I would not have had the confidence to just say those I things. took French. I did too. Oh, so I took the one that you knew? You could have been like, salut. I don't remember the Bonsoir. Uh, guys, it's been 21 years since I took French. Today we are discussing chapter 5 of Order of the Phoenix. The Order of the Phoenix. The Order of the Phoenix. Oh my god. Oh, we found the chapter title. Yeah, we already talked about how it comes earlier this book. Or it maybe. comes real fucking early this book. Before we get into it, though, it is time to acknowledge our Patreon supporters, and we have some new ones. So, of course, we'd love to acknowledge Nisi and our three new supporters. That's Mary Beth, Brittany, and Olivia. Thank you guys so much for your support. We are now up to four. As a reminder, you can support us by going to patreon.com slash basic snitches for $3 a month. We will acknowledge you in every single one of our episodes, and you'll get exclusive content every time a new episode is published. This week, our exclusive content has us critiquing a certain meme that we found online. You wrote a thing. I did write a thing. And we actually thought ahead this time. Tara emailed it to me. But wait, we can't do the thing yet. We gotta do Oh my God. Well, you Chapter knew that we were going to screw up somehow. Well, so. I'm here, so absolutely. But I'm trying to I'm the one who it. screwed up this time. Tara always <laughs> wants to take credit. Whenever anything goes wrong. <laughs> because I know better. Don't worry. My screw-up is coming. All right. The chapter four winner and loser. I think that this one's pretty clear. I it's... forgot what happened. <laughs> yeah, you won't as soon as I tell you this. The win is a dual win. Ron and Hermione. Okay, because they had to deal with the temper tantrum. Everything. It's not really because they had to deal with it. It's because they handled it. Yeah. They took it with such a grain of salt. They were exactly what Harry needed. He needed to be able to take it out on someone and they let him. And of course, that unfortunately does make Harry the loser of the chapter. That's what I was going to guess. So Harry is not the loser of the chapter for throwing a temper tantrum. I don't think of it as a tantrum. Harry is the loser of the chapter for not acknowledging that his friends are doing this for him, the Harry we know and love, is aware of these things. He's not an idiot. I said in the last episode, he's, very he's selfish. better than this yeah. a million times. Yes, that's what, I mean, I think that's really important. He also doesn't have the foresight to, like, see that there's more than just, oh, Harry is the one who defeated, in quotes, Voldemort in the graveyard, but there's so much other things that have to be considered. Harry is speaking from a place of hurt. I don't think that Harry means any of the things he says, and he absolutely, like, if he he wasn't just letting himself fucking run with it and go for it. He would be like, mm, I shouldn't have said that. Like you said, he's better than that. Mm -hmm. It's still a loss. I'm sure that at some point off page, he did apologize to them, but we didn't get to see it. And that's what I want. So yeah. You'll be okay. Barely, but you'll be okay. Yeah. It'll get worse before it gets better, but you'll be fine. Now I'm going to read the thing. You oh, ready? It's okay. Is it a good thing? Yeah, I wrote it. Well. There she goes. <laughs> the, what is this? Episode 110 or something? We're getting there. Tara's still self-deprecating herself. <laughs> so some things it. never change. Chapter 5. The Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, so this creepy-ass evil house belongs to Sirius. 
Since the meeting is over, it is time for dinner. Everyone says hi to everyone. Bill is there. He is still very cool with his long hair. They're also apparently having dinner with a pile of rags. Actually, that's just Mundungus, who is honestly less clean than rags are, but I guess it was nice to invite him to dinner anyway. Tongs continues to be clumsy as fuck, but also she's super fun. Basically, dinner is a big messy ordeal. Basic rundown is that the goblins are still mad about Ludo Bagman. Mundungus is shady. Tongs has the maturity of a 12-year-old boy, and Harry really likes rhubarb crumble. Me too. Now it's time for some exposition. Harry asks about Voldemort, which leads to the adults arguing about his right to know things and who should be stepping in as a substitute parent. And then everyone argues about what the kids should know about Voldemort and the Order. And finally, we get some info. Harry, Ron, Hermione, Fred, and George learn from the adults that Voldy is trying to lie low after Harry thwarted his plans to come back without anyone knowing, due to the fact that he was unsuccessful in murdering Harry in the graveyard. They also learn that the Order is trying to stop Voldy from getting some kind of weapon on his side and from recruiting more followers to build his army back up. Oh, and the other thing is that Fudgepacker has gone off the rails and is working his damnedest to discredit Dumbledore because he's afraid his position as Minister Magic is in danger. Never mind the fact that Dumbledore has turned down the position before. There's probably more... <laughs> I like how you're just like, there's probably more. <laughs> Who knows? But Mrs. Weasley stops serious when she feels like they already know too much. She sends the children to bed. Very well done. My one critique is that his name is Cocaine Baby. Who are we feeding me Cocaine Baby? Voldy! Oh my god! Voldy isn't he his is name. Voldy. No, his name is Cocaine Baby. He has baby. lots of names. I used Voldy this time. Cocaine Baby. Cocaine Baby is looking for a it's like that one vine of that child. It's, he's like running outside around a pool and the adult is like, what do you have? And he's like, a knife. That's cocaine, baby. So how does this chapter fucking begin? I don't know. My brain just stopped working. Sirius comes out and he's like, oh yeah, that's my mom. That's my mom. She, Sorry, she, she a loud bitch. bitch. <laughs> Those are her exact quote from the book. And then Molly comes out and she's like, it's time for dinner. Yum. Yum. <laughs> and so they all go into the kitchen and everyone sits down. Molly's like, y'all better believe I'm not going to be the one to just cook. Y'all going to have to help. Right. And everyone's got to like set the table, do all the shit. And friend George is like, I got to magic everything. And That's right. And people almost die. It's very fun. I really enjoy the fact that, well, okay, I do and I don't. Like, it's fun that they want to use all their magic because they're, like, of age. They're, what, 17? They're still kids. Yeah, but they're technically of age now. Yeah, but when we're talking about, like, the maturity of characters... Like, George never mature. No. Not even that. Like, I'm not saying that you have to always be, like, buttoned up and very proper. Like, obviously we're not. But it has something to do with, like, learning about how to go throughout the world. And as you get older, you do just learn more that help you gain a different perspective. And so it's important to know that even though they are of age, and I think this is kind of part of what Molly gets into later in the chapter, they're still kids. Like, they're still inexperienced in life. Oh, they're absolutely. It's a continuation, though, of who they are. Like, absolutely, they're going to keep doing that. It's a really interesting way to transition into Harry now seeing Molly and Arthur around the discussion of Percy. Uh -huh. Because, you know, in the last chapter, Fred and George and Ron and Ginny told him about the thing with Percy not being part of the family really anymore. 
And so when she's like listing how all of her older sons are great, and then she's like, Percy didn't. And everyone's like, oh, she did. Yeah. <laughs> she brought him up, you Good. know? And just like how that just kind of would happen anyway. We get to see that from Molly's perspective, mm-hmm. especially for a few chapters from now. Like it's just a very nice thing to build into the plot. Molly also pops the fuck off. We have never seen her get like this. She is, yeah. I mean, everyone is high strung and she is especially high strung in this chapter. And honestly, I don't blame her. Mm. I disagree with her a lot in this chapter with her like assumption of being Harry's parental figure. It's not coming from a bad place. It's coming from a place of love. No, I think that she's trying to protect him more than anything. She absolutely is. In front of his parents two best friends who would probably be like actually like we could be handling this because she's very like aggressive about it and Sirius is so defensive it just builds to all of this stuff so everyone is just already high strung and then like with everything that happened with Harry and the Dementors and the fact that oh I don't know the order exists and Percy is not speaking to the family and they just had this meeting like she's just on edge mm-hmm. through this whole fucking book and you've got to understand why. There's so many other details that happen that we can obviously get back into. Yeah. But of course the big thing that happens in this is that whole thing of like Molly really trying to have a grasp on the entire situation and the back and forth between Molly and Sirius. It's mom versus dad. That is the big thing in this chapter of course, other than some of the information that we learn, which I almost feel like the more impactful thing in this chapter is the back and forth between Molly and Sirius. So the characterizations happening in this chapter, between all of them, and like even the way Harry takes it in, the way that the kids all interact, when Harry has like the moment where he's like, he thought for a moment that he wouldn't tell Ron and Hermione, he's like, no, fuck that, I'm gonna tell them everything. You get to see them being themselves. Yeah. And also, I was just thinking this, Sirius is not that much older than Bill. So Molly is significantly older than Sirius. Mm -hmm. And Lupin, that would make Lupin and Sirius are the same age. And she's had seven children and Sirius was in prison. And like, she low blows him. Like, she low blows him. (laughs) Uh, Whoa. But you know, it's a low blow. Sirius don't go that way. Sirius is holding out for... He was in Azkaban. I don't want to hear it from you. Sirius is holding out for Snape. Sorry, Molly. (laughs) Also, Arthur is right there. Arthur's like, when is it my turn? <laughs> Arthur is also holding out for Snape. Why not? Is that what you were about? Why not? Why not? Do you hear yourself? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh my god. But, but really, no, I'm, fuck Snape. I hate that guy. Um, <laughs> what? That's well, you. she did it. She reached her quota He's for this episode. She has to say it every... Si- well... He's mentioned. Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> she um, has to say it in every episode. If not, then we lose out on our... Can you just do like a sponsors? <laughs> we don't. Well, we do can, have can sponsors. You do like, can you just do like a, a deep edit? That's just me saying "fuck that guy" every episode. Do you know how long it would take to go through? We are one hundred plus episodes. <laughs> I have to download each one, find it, snippet it out. Well, we're gonna work on it. Yeah. It'll, it'll be for the final season. We've got four years to cool. work. Cool. You go through every episode and find it and write down the marks, and then maybe it'll happen. Does anybody want to hear Tara say fuck that guy? Why would you ask that question? Of course they At the end of the series, what is it going to be? 300 plus times? God, I hope so. And I say at the end of the series, not the end of this podcast, because when the series is over, we're going to still be here, baby. We have time to figure out what happened. So many years. My brain just... So many years. Shut down. So don't worry about that. Anyways. Where the the fuck were... Oh, low blow. Molly was low blowing it. But Um, but 
for real. Like, she was like, you were in Azkaban. I'm like, that is harsh, Molly. Like you said, she's high she's strong. She's so high strong. I mean, back at the very beginning of the chapter where it's like, it's time to cook dinner. And you know that everybody's sitting down, like, waiting. I can picture her turning around being like, the fuck you think I'm going to do? Cook this entire meal for all you lazy motherfucker? Get up here. You are all fucking wizards. <laughs> well, and that's something that I was thinking is like, Molly, why don't you just magic all the food together? Like, you got enchanted knives I mean, and sh- pots and shit. Someone else can fucking magic all the food together. Well, not don't only that, but she even said, like, you can't use magic for everything. There are some times like, where you probably like, don't Fred want George, to do don't that. don't use magic for everything. Magic, magic, magic. Seriously. Yeah. That's probably well, not a good <laughs> Also, you know, maybe chopping vegetables via magic is not as precise, well, you know? Like, and, you know, it's the Molly same thing as. does that at home. Home, but this is not her home. And also, I mean, it's the same thing of like technology. Like using te- technology isn't going to fix everything perfectly either. I almost even feel like the fact that it's not home and is less important because also, I mean, there's more than just like the Weasleys and Harry. Well, that's the other thing. It's like at her home, there are a lot of people. There are way more here. Even if it is just Sirius and Lupin and Tonks and fucking Mundungus Fletcher, and she doesn't want him to be there anyways either. Yes, there's a lot that Molly is holding in right now. And yeah, it's, it's a lot. not like everything that she is saying to Sirius is necessarily wrong. She does make that unfortunate low blow and everything, but and from Sirius's point of view, like I think Sirius understands Harry's position a little bit more. We get more into it in the next chapter. Yeah. But the fact that Harry doesn't know anything, like, Sirius is the one person, finally, who was trying to stick up for him in that regard. Yeah. So. Which is super important because we just literally spent a chapter of Harry finally fucking exploding with the fact that he doesn't know anything. Like, we watched him in the first couple chapters being this person in the dark over a really scary thing. And then he finally is, like, around people and he's like, well, I want to know what the fuck is going on. And no one is telling him what the fuck is going mm-hmm. on. Like you said, I think Sirius understands Harry's point of view throw him something you know also lupin here i think is like a nice middle ground like voice lupin of reason is amazing in this chapter you know you had said even like well molly's so much older i don't want to discount the fact that age is also sometimes just a number like it is there are a lot of older people who are not wise and are not the voice of reason you can be stupid and young and you can be stupid and old but you can also have a lot of richness and wisdom at either age too depending on what the situation is and I think Lupin is in that point where, yes, he may be younger. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have his head on straight and isn't able to strategically think this through. Right. Sirius and Molly are both very hot-headed people. There's that too. And we learn a little more about it in the next chapter. Sirius is also still stuck in this place. Yes, he knows things and Harry doesn't, but he does not feel like he's helpful. So maybe I'm getting it confused because actually in my notes, I what I have written is Sirius POV of being stuck inside, unhappiness with Dumbledore, and connection to Harry it gives a richness and realism to Dumbledore and Sirius's characters. So maybe it does happen in this chapter. Actually, now I think about that's it. That's all he can do to help? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. this chapter. It is this chapter. So when Tara says the only thing that he can do, it's that he offers the house mm-hmm. to be the yes. headquarters. Sorry, yeah. It's interesting to think that, yeah, you know what? Sirius can't live in the house because he is an ex-convict. And when you think about it, I don't know which chapter it happened in, but he also talked about how like Lupin isn't also going to be so keen to go out there and try to like convince people to come over and join the order because he's a werewolf and people That's are going to look at chapter. him. That might be at the end. Yeah, these two chapters that are interconnected are very it's hard intertwined. because yeah, it's yeah. all stuff that happens while they're at the Grimmauld place. place. 
I do enjoy that serious POV because I think that also gives a lot of light to why he sticks up for Harry on top of just being his godfather and perhaps the whole like he looks like James, the stuff that Molly touches on. That's also a very fraught conversation. It is. I do think that to a degree Molly is right that it's like, oh, it's James, but it's what he experienced in Azkaban very well could have him thinking a different way and now he's out. There's a feeling of vicariousness. He's trying to live vicariously yeah. through Harry in a way that he missed out on James. So like not necessarily the exact same thing. We'll talk about it when we get there in the movie. At the end, when they're battling at the ministry and Sirius calls Harry James. Yeah. I hate it. Because that takes so much away from what has built between Harry and Sirius by the end of the book. Yeah, and what happens at the end of the book, too. Right. And so this is where we get that. Molly is suggesting that Sirius thinks of Harry like James, I think is a different power level and it comes from a different place than then deciding in the movie that Sirius just calls Harry James. Because Sirius isn't an idiot. And Sirius wouldn't actually do that. But it's important, and I love that Molly does say that. Sirius, he's a child, and I know, like, literally the last time you felt free, you were maybe three or three or four years older than him now. You know, like, and Sirius never gets to, like, address it. Sirius has, probably has, like, severe issues from being locked away. That's what I was going to say. Innocently for 13 years. You had said, like, we're not parents. Now, I have not been locked in prison for over 10 years. Tara has. But join our Patreon. We'll talk about it there. Also, I think it's important to say, like, the vicarious thing. That's what I'm getting at. It's him sort of, like, living vicariously through that. And then I think it it does have something to do with what he experienced. Now, I do kind of like that he is kind of pissed off at Dumbledore, too. Because it shows that Dumbledore is... And we've had choice words about this already, about Dumbledore hasn't been handling things great. But something I'm always trying to think of when I'm reading this and being like, Dumble, what the hell? Is that, yes, he is having to step in as Ministry of Magic because Fudge Packer is fudging everything up. I feel bad for saying fudging everything up. It's fucking everything up. But his name was Fudge Packer, so right. it just... It well, felt Dumbledore's right. trying to step in, but no one will fucking let him because they hate him and they're discrediting him. Yeah, this is where it also talks about how, like, he got into trouble for stuff and... Yeah, and they, like, removed him from the Wizengamot. They're trying to remove his Order of Merlin and all like, of that y'all stuff. Y'all are clearly afraid of this dude who's just trying to... Yeah. So it's interesting to see like how the order is coming together and everything and how they're having some challenges already at the beginning here. And it also kind of goes back to how Harry was kind of worried that he was missing out on what is happening, watching the news, thinking that Voldemort's back. He's, or I'm sorry, Cocaine Baby is back. He's obviously out there killing people. He's causing destruction. That's not quite the case because he has to play it safe and kind of go a little bit slowly as well. It's more of a game of chess rather than like a game of battleship. That's probably not the best comparison. I see where you're going. But like they have to be more strategic rather than all in like we're not back to the wizarding war yet. We're trying to avoid that actually. Yes. Fast forward to what the name of the last chapter of this book is called. So we've already walked through a lot of the meat in this chapter in terms of the main plot line and stuff. Let's go back and look at some of the lovely little details. Like you said in your thing, Tonks is a klutz, (laughs) but continues to be fucking amazing. I love her. Everything about her. Like we talked about in terms of maturity, like she is the sort of person that is like, you don't have to be the textbook version of mature to be mature. She is the epitome of really 
me. I know I always say that I'm Neville Longbottom, because if I were one of the students, that's who I'd be, but I'm really Tonks. She's a good intersection of the two of us. Yeah, she's just great. Like, everything about her is, is amazing. Her sense of humor, her empathy, and of course we'll see much more of that as the series progresses. She's incredible. Likewise, Mundungus is a lazy fuck, and he's trying to steal that silver. He is not subtle at all. No, not at all. Oh, the black family crust will come off of that. Yeah, exactly. Is this real silver? We can get rid of that. Sirius is like, I don't give a shit. Like, Sirius clearly doesn't care. And it gets more into that in the next chapter where he's just like cleaning house. Literally and figuratively. (laughs) Which that's another huge thing is that this house is filthy. Uh Uh-huh. In more ways than one. There is one moment at the very beginning of the chapter where Harry comes in and they quickly like cover up building plans. What was that? The building blueprints of the Ministry of Magic. Oh. You know how in the last chapter when Ron and Marty like they're keeping guard over something and Harry's like, wouldn't be me, would it be? You know, like that. And he's all like pissed about it. It's not him. It's over prophecy. Okay. See, it's good for us to continue to like bring those up mm-hmm. and like point out those details. I mean, it's also him, but prophecy. Prophecy, that's, yeah. That's he's part have, of the prophecy. That's why they have the blueprints to the Ministry of Magic. So similarly, this weapon that they talk about at the end of the chapter about how Voldy's... I'm sorry. Cocaine Baby is back. And they're like, well, maybe he wants something else, like a weapon. Is that the prophecy as well? Yes, it is. Cool. So that is a good thing to bring up now, since that, I imagine, could continue to be a theme. There are some things that happen with Quen Trelawney later on in this book, so on and so forth. So that whole thing is nice to keep top of mind. There is another part in here when we're talking about, like, armies being generated again. Mm Mm-hmm. With the goblins, and like you touched on the whole Ludo Bagman connection, but it also says something along the lines of offering them freedoms that they've been denied, which that sort of like wokeness is very interesting in that these creatures are not a species that we have necessarily treated the best. We have not. Well, they have not. Bill knows that. Bill is of a younger generation, and obviously in general the younger generations are, I hate the term woke, but... They're more aware of the inadequacies. Bill is working with these goblins at Gringotts, and he's like, this is what it is. If we don't keep them off of Voldemort's side, they're going over there, because Voldemort's going to be like, yeah, do what the fuck you want. Who gives a shit what wizards want to do? They don't own you. Voldemort is so fucking Donald Trumpy, it's terrifying. Manipulative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All he has to do is appeal to what they think is best for themselves. I think the only other little detail that I want to point out is what Ginny is doing through all of this, and I was going to kind of make a parallel between Ginny and Tongs because I think that they are also somewhat similar Mm -hmm. and I think we've already even said that Tongs can be almost like an older sister to Ginny that she desperately needs because all of these boys right but what she's doing is she's throwing corks at Crookshanks which is a very Steph thing and we will see Steph in a couple episodes in fact uh Steph is not a character in the books she's Mm -hmm. one of our friends she a Hufflepuff. She a Hufflepuff, she a wine bitch, and she a cat bitch. So, mm-hmm. boom. Ginny is staff right now, maybe. Basically. I love all of the side adages of Ginny in this book particularly. Obviously, she's going to be coming into a new and different light as Harry's romantic other half in the sixth book. But I really appreciate that she becomes so prominent in this book. It's already and it's, very, and very it's very different. Apparent. Like, we saw Jenny as weak and scared and sad in her second year, and then we kind of ignored her in the last two books, 
but she's like, I'm gonna make sure that you know I'm here. So the choice to make her almost aggressively more comedic and fun, like Fred at the and forefront, etc. Yeah, is really interesting because I think the choice to make her someone completely different than what she was before really kind of shows her growth and also kind of how she's come into her own. Like at the end of the chapter, when she's like, "No, fuck this! Everyone else gets to hear about this, but me," and she like doesn't give a shit about waking up Mrs. Black and stomping through the house and yeah. being like. You will know my displeasure. I am pissed about this. And also, like, my headcanon is that Harry, you and Hermione tell her everything. Oh, of course. Because they're sharing a room. Of course. Um, I think that's totally true. She's so in the forefront in these chapters at Grimmauld Place. When she's, like, kicking ass in the DA later in the book, you're like, yeah, I'm not surprised. And then she's kicking ass at the ministry. Like, she is back with a vengeance. This is really important groundwork for her character. Which is, I agree, it's so refreshing to see... I just want to talk about when they're building everything up to the dismissing of the children and then Harry's like, I'm gonna, I want to know what the fuck's going on and Fred and George are like, we're adults and all of that. Mm-hmm. But that is when, like, Mrs. Weasley is very desperate to, like, end this because she's just trying to protect everyone in the room and she's, like, begging Arthur to back her up. Like, she has just hit that point. It makes me a little, like, sad because she's so much more powerful than that. But she's like, Arthur, back me up. And it makes me kind of frustrated with Arthur that he doesn't need to back her up, but he needs to, like, be active in the conversation. Because yeah. you see how Lupin is active in the conversation, but he's very diplomatic about it, mm-hmm. which is why Lupin is fucking amazing. And Arthur could also be diplomatic and maybe have m- made this transition less intense. Sirius and Molly, their blood pressure is through the roof here. Like, the two of them are just not in a good place, and you only have one person to balance them out. And I feel like Arthur missed his chance to step up and literally just repeat what Lupin said. If you're not willing to back her up when she gets to the point where she's like, Arthur, back me up. You're like, this has hit a point where it's becoming a battle. Lupin has already placed this framework here for it to not be a battle but guess what we have to balance this out and Arthur that's you the part that leads up to them trying to dismiss the children or whatever is where Lupin really shines yeah literally this entire series was based on a misheard set of information that happened prior to the series began like yeah how it began do you know that Voldemort never would have gone for James and Lily had Snape heard the whole fucking prophecy. That is literally how this series started. So maybe we listen to Lupin and go, why don't we tell these kids the truth rather than them trying to fucking figure it out? You know how these fuckers are. They're going to run around in school and try to figure it out anyway. Like 100%. So that also made me think of something else. So when people try to shelter their children too much, they're going to try to figure that information out and get misinformation. And this day and age, misinformation is rampant. This is, of course, not written in this day and, and age. And terrifying. And terrifying. This instance is the same sort of thing. And that's exactly what Lupin is saying. Is like It's so much better for them to hear it from our mouths rather than them trying to figure out and get the incorrect information. I touched on it about Harry's point of view is that there must be bad stuff happening and we're not there yet. And there has to be an element of patience here and strategy and everything. Well, when the adults are behaving like this, there's got to be some good stuff in there to learn. And of course, at the very, very end where they actually do get dismissed and Molly comes up and says, enough, time for everybody to go to bed. Mm-hmm. When they start talking about the weapon and of course, that weapon being, as we already discussed, prophecy and in essence, Harry and who Harry is. And honestly, 
None of the people actually have that information either. They don't know the depth of the prophecy. Dumbledore is like, we got to guard this. And they're like, okay, sure, whatever Dumbledore says. Dumbledore doesn't want Voldemort to have that prophecy. We have to protect it. This like hinting of a weapon is kind of like a red herring in the mind of the children. Like obviously the adults know that it's knowledge. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. You know, like what is it, Ron, who's like something that will kill a lot of people at once? Like that's terrifying. Let's play. Come on. Help me out here with the drum roll. I'm bad at drum rolls. We're gonna play Would You Rather. Much of what we talked about in this chapter is really Molly versus Sirius. Mm -hmm. Versus isn't the right thing because they both have everybody's, you know, Mm -hmm. good intentions and, and whatnot. But it's going to be about that specific argument. So would you rather agree with Molly or would you rather agree with Sirius? And rather is probably not the right word for this because really it is who do you agree with? Yeah. Hold on, let me take a sip of my wine. I'm not going to change anything, but I'm going to take a sip of it anyway. All right, well, producing great fast-paced content for our (laughs) listeners there. (laughs) What's your answer, bitch? Now I ain't going to hustle on this answer. You're not going to play the game? No, I'm going to play it, but I'm going to take my time now that you... Want to be a sass monster about it? My job is drooling over everything, as we already talked about. Yours is being the sassy pants. Um, more on that in our Patreon. Subscribe to our Patreon to right. see what we're talking about. <laughs> so as someone who's not a parent, someone who relates to these children a lot because I'm obsessed with the series and also I'm a nosy bitch, kind of agree with Sirius. Mm-hmm. And it's more so that none of these people are Harry's guardian. They also know better. They know these children are gonna fucking, like, Lupin is 10,000% right. Like, going into this, Lupin is like, they're gonna find out anyway. Do you want them to know facts? Do you want them to know not facts? And then gets themselves in even more trouble. And so Sirius is like, I'm just gonna tell them everything. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of where I'm feeling it. I would also rather agree with Sirius. It's not to say that either one is wrong, because I don't think either of them are. More so, it's like agreeing, we already talked about this, really. It's like agreeing with Lupin. Hey, we can choose to give them the information in a specific way, rather than completely shielding them and risking it being the incorrect information. So yes, I am also going to agree with Sirius for the intents and purposes of this game. But Molly is still Quen. Molly isn't wrong. Molly's intentions aren't wrong. Absolutely not. It's a difficult place to be in. And again, like, she's viewing Harry like her own children. And honestly, yeah, Harry was going to go tell Ron and Hermione. What I will say is I hate that Molly, like, acts like Hermione is her child. She gets to decide what Hermione gets to know and doesn't get to know. I'm like, it's not That's probably child. the biggest thing, I'm Hermione. Like, Come on. Yeah. Now, the funny thing is, is that all these people are related anyways. But more on that in the next chapter. So, (laughs) it's very pared down. It's very pared down, but here's the thing is I think that it's done well. It's very efficient. You know, we don't get a lot of the chaos with the twins causing a ruckus, which is okay. We actually got the extendable ears thing almost in place of it, which I enjoy. Crookshanks doesn't get to trace after all those quirks, but he does get the snack. So, that is good. He does get a snack. Interesting addition, Moody and... Kingsley. Uh, Kingsley are at dinner. Yeah, I do like that. But Kingsley doesn't fucking say anything, but I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. Just okay, put him on always put he's Kingsley there. He's a beautiful there. man. Yes, he's a beautiful and important, and Speaking we love him. Speaking of beautiful men, 
Gary Oldman looks amazing. He does. He I'm got. Like, he looks ooh. so fucking hot. He got like finger waves. Oh my god. Like I'm like, look at how hot you look. That's dude. right. He manscapes. Oh my god, manscape. We're like the perfect advertiser for you because we both need to like manscape our bodies. You and Gary Oldman. No, you and me. Oh. Tara is also hairy bitch. Actually, you're probably not a very hairy bitch, are you? No. <laughs> you're like, yeah. This is exactly what I want to be talking about. I right want now. this on the podcast. Put yeah, that in. Yeah. Um. You're you're an Irish potato. You ain't got no hair on your body. <laughs> like me, on the other hand. Like, I'm, I got Slovenian and German up in me. Uh, let me tell you a story. Oh, no. There was one time where, I don't know if I was, like, going through puberty or something, but, like, obviously I was getting more body hair. And my grandma, who tends to sometimes put her whole damn foot in her mouth, says something about, like, how both of your parents are very hairy. And, like, obviously my dad is hairy. But also, your mom is just a very hairy person. Cool, Grandma. Mom, I don't know if I ever told you that story, but now you're hearing it now, if you're listening to this, which you're not. Wouldn't that be something? Mom, subscribe to our Patreon. No, I think the way they scale to town is good just to kind of keep through, you know, getting us the information that we need. And, like, Uh the big thing about it is the weapon. You know, like, I think yeah. that that's really the, the thing that they want to get across. And the end is, like... And, and the part where they're showing Harry, like... Hey, they are trying to discredit you guys, you and Dumbledore, and Harry's like, uh, the fuck? And then he's like, I want to fight too. Mm-hmm. All of that is like right out of the book. So they got the important piece at the very least. You know, there's some little things like you see oh, Tonks, tonks fucking I mean, around with if, the noses. It's great. If there's going to be any fucking around, at least it's that. Like they right. really did choose the right thing. And the camera angles are interesting. There's a lot of showing Harry in like focus and everyone behind him and you can see them enough to know who they are and and like the direction that their facial expressions are going and it's serious talking you don't see serious you just hear him you know because mm. most of that talking is serious he's most of the scene which i think is an interesting choice but i like that they're focused on harry through that whole thing i mean it's his fucking movie series so i guess so they just gave him the newspaper to look at i know he's not in the book in this scene but moody kind of standing in the corner not yeah, sitting like at the too. table there's like this removal of him from everyone because moody never really quite connects we get him in the fourth movie but it's not him and then when it is him he's and yeah he can't, it's, you know, it's him at the end and then like yeah. in this book we get him again like he's got to be the secondary authority figure which is fascinating because like where he comes at the end of the series as the secondary authority figure just enough to not be around anymore. Like, yeah. There was no reason to include him in this part of the movie but I appreciate that he's there. I do too. It's interesting to talk about the movie making some of these choices that are different that are kind of nice. Right. Because something else I was thinking of like would it have been nice to see that like argument between Molly and Sirius for a larger audience I don't necessarily think so because you continue to see Molly being this motherly role Mm -hmm. in the most positive, optimistic way, which I think is better for a larger audience. It would have been nice to see it exactly how it is in the book, but... Well, the other thing about putting that argument in there, are we still choosing to keep Kingsley and Moody there? Because I don't think the argument happens the same way if Kingsley and Moody uh, That's a there. really good point. And yeah. the other thing is, is, say we take Kingsley and Moody out of the scene and we put that argument in... It doesn't read as well on screen in the way that it does in the book. You know, it gives us a different feeling. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I think the choices they made to scale it down, I think, are good. 
I do too. It's amazing. Like if I had to give the movie a grade in this case, I would maybe say like an A minus. Yeah. I'm pretty pleased with it. One other thing I do want to say, like it's interesting to me to always see like the setting and stuff. When we watched this time, we did end up seeing a little bit of what happened in the last couple chapters. It wasn't necessarily as apparent then because we hadn't read these chapters, but as they're walking down that very skinny hallway, that's like my driveway. I fucking hate your driveway. It is. It's There are times where I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to hit my house. Right. And yeah, like I'm a broad bitch too. Twist, the gay bar that I was talking about in our Patreon a couple weeks ago, probably, I think. Who knows? Subscribe to our Patreon. They redid their bathrooms. The like urinal stalls are a little bit wider, which is good because I don't have to scrunch my shoulders up. <laughs> I would have maybe need to scrunch my shoulders up. Oh my gosh. Like, well, maybe not because Moody is also a wide bitch and he like fits it perfectly. Moody is also a wide bitch. But as they're walking down the hallway, you can see how filthy the house is, which I really love. Also, when they're in the kitchen, you can see Molly is chopping up her vegetables and, like, pots are stirring in the background. Mm -hmm. You see all of the, like, dishes on the wall with the Black family crest on them. Everybody has their butterbeer. Like, it is very thought out in all the details that are in the book that aren't necessarily brought up. So all that set dressing and stuff, I think, is really well done, too. Aesthetically, this and the third movie probably are the strongest. I mean, the first movie is also... I mean, the the, first movie, like, the magic of the first movie is... It's so refreshing and It's so fun. Um, But there's something about this movie, and I think it's just because, like, the actual story has gotten so dark, but I love the look of the movie. Mm. Even the stuff that I think is weird, like, in the beginning, where it's just, like, suddenly strains and, like, all the stuff that I bitched about in the movie up to this point, I still really like what I'm looking at. I found myself, even when we were getting to, like, the title screen and everything, and then... There was something about it that made me excited to even just watch this bit of the movie. Right. Because it is so inviting, which, like you said, is important when the story is so dark. This is probably not a huge shock. Plus 20 to Lupin, Molly, and Sirius. Yes, they fight. Yes, I'm a little bit more on Sirius' side. I don't think anybody is wrong. Everybody has the best intentions. Lupin is the voice of reason. They're the three main players. Hey, if this is the trio, I'm here for it. Right? I'm get behind that trio. Absolutely. That's a badass trio. Uh Uh-huh. Plus 15 also to Dumbledore. We didn't talk too much about it, but we did touch on it. That Dumbledore is going through some hardships too and trying to do the best thing. So there's a lot of balance with Dumbledore, even though we are finding some of the shortcomings. And I think as we continue to dive into it, it'll be interesting to see what shortcomings are not in his control. So I'm still going to give him 15. I love that. Plus five to Tonks, Ginny, and Crookshanks, because they are like the comic relief in a way. In like, this. thank God for these fuckers. Yeah, they add so much brightness to the chapter. I think you're right. In a very dark, scary house. It's creepy as fuck. On the flip side, I'm taking five away from Fred and George because they're a little bit too hasty. They need a little bit more patience. You don't have to do everything with magic. And then, of course, negative ten to... Dishrags? Yes! <laughs> to Dishrags, a.k.a. Mundungus Fletcher. Because he is a lazy asshole and he's trying to steal that silver. Even though Sirius is like, take it, bitch. Right? Seriously, I don't give a shit. Just get it out of here. Yeah. So next time, we will be discussing chapter six, the noble and most Most ancient ancient house House of black. Black. And again, I know I keep referring to our Patreon, but if you subscribe to our Patreon, you will learn how I am a part of that house. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We will catch you then with 
chapter six. I thought you were going to say a person's name. I was like, we do not have a special guest. No, we don't have a special guest, but we do soon. We have a lot. There are going to be 15 special guests this season. That's a lot, honey. We're going to go with a probably, just in case. Just in case somebody backs out, but... Or, you know, like the world implodes, so we don't get anything, but, you know... Well, if the world implodes, y'all are going to be dead, too, so... We'll be like, yeah, that's all we got. The world ain't going to implode. We'll be fine. So, yeah, bye. (laughs) Tara Uh doesn't believe that, but... Uh (laughs) It'll be cool. Stay strong. Stay patient. Aw, that's very inspiring. And subscribe to our Patreon. Thank you. Which is even more inspiring. Absolutely. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Gorkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!